Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. America is often described as the home of meritocracy, but it also gave birth to a social theorist who believed people underestimated the role of luck in success and failure. The political philosopher John Rawls, who died in 2002, spent his life arguing for a new type of politics, which acknowledged the true extent of luck in our lives. To discuss this is Vittorio Bufacci, head of the Department of Philosophy at University College Cork, who believes those who claim we live in a meritocracy are merely peddling a market-oriented idealism. I started by asking him, do we underestimate the role of luck in our lives? I think we grossly underestimate the role of luck. Um, We live in a world where we like to believe, because we've been told to believe, that we are in control of what we do, and if we achieve something, it's because it's due to our effort, and there is merit, and there is desert in what we have achieved. And I just think it's a lie. Um, It's, in fact, quite dangerous because there are two sides to this coin. On one side, you are telling people if you achieve something, if you achieve success, it's because you deserve it. It's because you've made a difference. It's because you've worked for it. The other side of the coin is that you're telling everyone else you failed. That's your fault. That's your responsibility. You could have done better. You should have done better. You should have put more effort in. Now, In fact, the way I see it is that if we succeed or we fail, it's down to things that are beyond our control. And that's where the luck comes in. And there are two types of luck. There is the luck that is thrown our way um, by a natural lottery, our natural attributes. And then there's the social lottery of where we find ourselves, socially speaking, So on the natural level, it's a question of abilities, um, but also disabilities. On the social level, it's a question of your race, your gender, your nationality. Now, those things are much, much more powerful, and those tend to determine whether we succeed or fail. The thing is, this, this, this idea of meritocracy It's an ideology. It's a way of justifying the status quo so that then we can turn around and say, look what I've achieved. It's because I've worked hard. No. Does that not lead you into a dangerous territory around determinism and the notion that really there's no point in us doing anything or there's no moral responsibility involved in our actions because everything is predetermined or um, everything is basically on the flip of a coin? Right. It's, it's not so much a question of determinism, but it's, a, it's an acknowledgement that there are things that have made the lives of some so much easier than the lives of others. And those things are beyond their control. They were simply lucky, lucky to be born in a middle-class family, lucky to be born in an industrialized country, lucky to be born with a supporting family. People who tend to go to university 
are people whose family also went to university. So those things make a big difference. So it's not so much that luck determines, it's the fact that luck plays a huge role that it's never talked about. Because all the emphasis goes in, it's your effort, it's your dessert, and you get what you deserve. What I've got is, I would say, mostly down to my luck. And what you'd argue is that that should feed in a bit more, certainly more than it's currently acknowledged in terms of political calculations. And that brings in John Rawls and his theory around this, that we should look at how lucky we are when we come to calculate what sort of society we we, uh, design. Yes. So John Rawls, American philosopher, um, who wrote the most influential book in political philosophy of the last hundred years, A Theory of Justice, published in 1971. So John Rawls would say, first of all, luck is morally arbitrary. We have to recognize that it's it's, it's a moral issue here. So from a moral point of view, we can't just shrug our shoulders and say luck is what it is. No, it's an issue. It's a moral issue. And that brings, brings us to the question of social justice. We can think of social justice as a way of doing something about the role of luck in society, and in particular, compensating for those who have bad luck. Um, so he has this um, thought experiment, um, and he says, you know, if you were to decide um, how society is to be arranged, sort of socially, politically, uh, what society would you like to live in? And he says, yes, but you make this decision from what he calls behind the veil of ignorance, where you are in ignorance of certain attributes about yourself. You can to decide what kind of world you want to live in, but you don't know your nationality, you don't know your gender, you don't know your abilities, you don't know whether you're able-bodied or not. And then you ask yourself, Do you want to live in a society where the richest people pay less taxes than anyone else? Or do you want to live in a society that takes care of those who are least advantaged? Not knowing who you are in that social and natural framework, you're more likely to wish to live in a society that will take care of the least advantaged which is not the world in which we live, because as we were told by Oxfam only two weeks ago, you know, you have 85 individuals in this world who control the wealth equivalent of half of the human race. And the gap between the rich and poor is getting wider and wider, and the rich get richer. So how, how is that possible? So starting from this assumption that luck is a moral issue and that social justice should really deal with with the the nasty side of luck um, makes us look at ourselves and society in a totally different way. One of the big critics of Rawls, or criticisms, is that he underestimates people's willingness to take risks and 
to risk bad luck. So uh, critics would say or, uh, that people in this state of ignorance might actually be happy to, to, to um, uh, roll the dice on the basis that they might win big and also lose big rather than go for the conservative middle ground. Um, I mean, how does one respond to that and are we into an area of, um, I suppose, what, what matches human psychology most and, and what, what, the, what the answers that might come from psychology might provide the, the correct moral answer, if you like? So Rawls is a philosopher and his argument is very much philosophical, to some extent, a priori reasoning. So he's thinking in abstract terms. Now, it is true that psychologists will tell us that people in the world um, are not always risk-averse. Some people would gamble. That's true. But, of course, whenever we gamble, we gamble on the basis of information that we have. And what Rawls is telling us is what if you don't have that information? So it's very hard to compare the two. So I think we can learn from psychology, but this is a different kind of experiment. It doesn't require any scientific theory uh, coming from psychology. The other response, uh, and it's more maybe of an ideological response, yeah. people will say, um, look, you're, you're fighting against nature. This is, the world is dog-eat-dog. -dog. The world is unfair. Live with it. And, um, you know, one is trying with an, an exercise like this to, to overturn the natural order. The thing is, too many things pass for the natural order, which in fact are not the natural order. So if there is flooding in Bangladesh and thousands of people die, that's part nature and part is actually social and political responsibility. Uh, the people who die when there is flooding in Bangladesh are the poorest of the poor. Uh, the rich live up, up in the hills. And take the question of, which is of course a big question and controversial, to what extent are we causing the climate change that is causing those floods? When there's an earthquake in Haiti and, and buildings and schools collapse and children die, well, those buildings were built in the way that they shouldn't have been built because there was corruption, because there were kickbacks. Because So there's a lot that we can do to prevent natural disasters or to prevent the consequences of natural disasters. And it's much too convenient. It's, it's too easy to say, oh, that's just nature. You have to live with it. Uh, we don't live with it. We don't live with what nature throws at us because otherwise we wouldn't be, um, there wouldn't be medicine. So I don't accept for a moment that we, we have to live according to what nature throws at us because, in fact, our lives are all about doing the best we can given the circumstances. So we've always done that. We've never accepted nature. We're always fighting against nature. We're not doing any difference. But now we're told that you know, luck is what it is. Uh, no, that luck, m most of it, is actually socially constructed. Vittorio Buffacci, thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.